0: your Bibles with you this morning let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 if you still open the first Timothy you're just a few books towards the back of the Bible if you go to Peter you've gone too far James and Peter come after Hebrews and we're going to look at chapter 12 just the first two verses chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews verses 1 and 2 And I named this sermon this morning, Racing Ahead, because that's kind of where we are. It's that time of year. Uh, The subheading is uh, uh, a New Year's Eve uh, resolution of weight loss. Isn't that what a lot of people do? I mean, I'm not up on this, but a lot of people say, I'm going to make a resolution to get in shape and lose weight. This is a different, admittedly, this is a different kind of weight that we're talking about here this morning, but I think you'll like how it fits together. I hope you do. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read the word of God and then we'll get started. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, is now at this very moment seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, Uh, Father, I bid uh, the work of the Holy Spirit amongst us this morning. We have seen the blessing of the baptisms of Jeff and Julia and we see all around us your working father give us grace to know these things not only to know them intellectually but to know them in the very fabric of our being and father i would just pray that you would save people this morning that not only would the lost be found this morning but those who are working towards uh, recapitulation of all things in jesus christ those of us who have long read your scriptures, we too are being saved and sanctified and set apart. So save us this morning and bring us together as your church to do your work in this this community for your glory. Father, go beyond my simple words this morning. Speak to the hearts of your people with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I like this passage, and I like this passage a lot, so I... I think that the, the major theme here is about living a life pleasing to God. Do, uh, I'll, let me just ask you guys, I, I don't want to take this for granted, but how many here want to a, live a life that pleases God? Amen. Oh, come on. Amen. Huh? Amen? Right? Yeah. We want to live, especially as those who profess Christ. Um, we, we even see lost people understanding this. They, they do moral things because they have a moral compass uh that's written on their hearts and minds and they know like if you say in any philosophy class is hitler bad everybody agrees that hitler's bad so we even see it among the lost but what we're doing by saying that and understanding these things and what i want to speak about this morning is living a life pleasing to god and do you know what that takes we're going to answer that question right now does anyone know what that takes Well, Hebrews gives us that truth right here. If you just turn back one chapter to chapter 11 and read with me, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it says in verse 6, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And not only that he exists, that's just part of the battle. But that he rewards, do you see that? Those who seek him. Not only that he exists, but that through faith we can see that we can know that God exists, believe that God exists, and that he will reward us for seeking him. That's what's pleasing to God, is to live a life by faith. Because this whole chapter tells us about people who are pleasing to God, doesn't it? It says, Noah built a boat. It says Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho. Uh, you know, it's going to tell you about David beating to Goliath and by faith. It's going to tell you about Enoch and how he walked with God because he was so sanctified that God just sucked him right up off the earth and it went wanted to be buddies with him there in heaven. That's what's coming for us, by the way, is that God's changing us in such a way through faith. He's sanctifying us and setting us apart that we can glorify him through our faith and the works that we do because of it. All right? You see it? Faith is the victory. That song means a lot. It's the assurance of things, uh, hope for, the conviction of things not seen. So it's through faith we have assurance, and it's through the word of God that we get faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen says that that's how we build up our faith is in the word of God, and it's in that building up that we get assurance of the things hoped for, the promises of God, and we are convicted to do the will of God so that we can act to bring glory to God. You see that? So that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. So let's work in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, just briefly. I can't think that it would take more than an hour. I know, it hurts when I'm honest, isn't it? Paul, uh, Paul, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. There's a lot of people that believe that it's Paul. Um, I don't think that it's Paul because the, when you know it in the Greek, it's quite a bit different than Paul's Greek. But whoever the Hebrew writer is, he doesn't reveal himself, gives us such great treasures here. He writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And you guys remember what the therefore is there for, Right? The therefore is therefore because it wants us to look back to what came before. He's saying, I said all of chapter, it starts uh, chapter 10 verse 19 and goes clear up to this portion of scripture here in chapter 12. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all that today. But when he says therefore, or for that reason, because of what I've just told you, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we can lay aside every weight and sin which so easily Besets us. And the truth is found, and who those witnesses are, we can know what the writer is talking about because of the word witness. Does anyone know what the word witness is in the Greek? It's martur. Does that sound like our word martyr? It's no mistake that it does, because that's where our word martyr comes from. Now, throughout the New Testament and throughout Scripture, you'll see that those who are witnesses are also called martyrs. And you know what a martyr is, don't you? Someone who dies for what they believe. So whenever you're called a witness in the Bible, you've made a testimony of faith that pleases God in such a way that he calls you a martyr, that you've lived your life in such a way. So we know who he's talking about here. He's talking about those ones. If you just turn over here with me to chapter 11, let's just look at some of them. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created. By the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned by concerning and understanding what God was telling him and the destruction of the world, he spent 100 years building a boat. By faith, Moses led the people. By faith, Abraham left his homeland. By faith, David slayed the Goliath. By faith, Joshua marched around Jericho until the wheels fell off. By faith, Rahab, she befriended the spies and her whole family was saved. Now, beloved, there's one thing I want you to notice very quickly here is that all these exemplars in faith weren't, doing things that were hidden and in the secret. These are big acts. So it leads you to understand that the greater our assurance, the greater our conviction, the greater our actions that glorify God. Do you get that? Turn over with me back to chapter 11 and look at verse 1 just momentarily because this is going to be the basis or the jumping point here. Chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance, circle that word, of things that are hoped for. What are the things that you hope for, beloved? You just told me earlier, one of them is to please God, isn't it? One of them is to live a life of faith because that's pleasing to God. Right? One of them is to see yourself sanctified to the point, maybe you get so sanctified that you're like Enoch, that God just takes you. Because he wants to spend more time with you. Is that beautiful? That's going to fit later, by the way. I'm saying that, and I'm giving you no reference point, but that's what happened. He walked with God, and then he was no more because God wanted him and he took him. I want you to be encouraged that this is a process for me and you today. God is still working through his saints today, just like he is in this chapter. We can literally change not only our own lives but other people's lives by witnessing the gospel. And by the amount we believe in what God has said, we will be convicted to do the will of God. And we will act in such a way that brings glory to God. I said this last week and I fumbled over it a bit. But I want to tell you again this week and backfill some of the things. Is that God did not create us to sit on our hands, beloved. We're to go out into this world and to literally change it. Noah changed the world. Do you understand that if Noah would have said, Oh my goodness, build a boat, all these people are gonna make fun of me, Lord. He saved the world through eight people. God does that through his people. He'll do that through you. And if we if if a people live in a world that needs to be saved today, we are that people, beloved. You are that people. You are that people. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, assurance that leads to the conviction of things not seen. Because you can hope for a lot of things, but putting feet to your hope is a much different thing, isn't it? Are you convicted enough to live for the things you hope for? Are you? And then the third one, it's not there in verse 1, but all the rest of the chapter 11, is the actions you take in your life of faith that glorify God. I don't know, maybe you'll build a boat. Right? Maybe you'll overcome some great victory, uh, some great victory like David in overcoming Goliath. I don't know, beloved, what God has for you. But I know that you can find it. And I know that you can believe in everything that he has said in his word and the more interaction you have with that word, the greater your assurance comes and the greater your assurance, the greater your conviction to do the will of God and to turn away from this world because the better you know God, the more you know God, the more you want to do his will and the more you want to do his will, the more you want to act for his glory. Amen? Amen. That's where we're headed. So we need that assurance. Do you see, I want to look at those three things. The assurance these believers had, uh, you know, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, all of the famous ones here in chapter 11, and the innumerable ones since that have gone on to glory, and the innumerable ones that are alive today acting in the same manner. I want to have the assurance they have. I I want you to have the convictions they have so that you can act like they did. Why is that important? Why is that important? It's important because um, of something that you often hear me say. Grace restores nature. Grace restores nature. And when we see salvation in a Trinitarian form, we see it just this way. The Reformers saw it this way. A lot of them have explained it, different aspects of it. But they saw it as a Trinitarian formula. What is the Trinity? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? Everybody knows that. Look at the whole of creation and all of what God's doing. And this came to us in Ephesians 1, right? God is expressing His will, He's bringing everything together in Christ. God created, the Father created. He spoke and it existed. And the creation that He made, what happened to it? It was devastated by sin. But what happened was not devastating to the Father for the father knew that we had sinned because he had planned to send the son to save the creation that he had created and in saving the creation that he had created with the blood of his son he then sends into each one of his saints the holy spirit and the holy the son saves and the holy spirit recreates and it's in that recreation that you're being made new okay There's two parts of salvation. You're instantly saved. That is, if you're saved and your heart's regenerated and you confess Christ, if you died on the way home from this place, you would go to heaven to be with God. But you are also being saved. And that is that the Holy Spirit is working on you to renew you in this place. It's called sanctification. It's called renewal. It's called being made new. What's God doing in that? He's setting you apart. That's what the word sanctified means. It's, he's making you holy. He's changing you in such a way that you couldn't change yourself before he regenerated you and sent his spirit into your heart. He is making you a new creation. He is making you and rebuilding in you what you never have experienced before. But what the spirit is doing is he's making you into the original creation that he had made before the fall. Do you understand that? You bear the image of God and it's been marred by sin, and He's taking sin out of your life. So, what's that do to the image of God? Oh, it makes it glow, it makes it beautiful. And it's in that recreative act that you're interacting with Scripture. And as you interact with Scripture, beloved, you're gaining wisdom. Remember what I've told you that wisdom is? Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to reality in a way that it causes your life to flourish and God to be glorified. That's what's taking place. And as we see this, from those three perspectives, assurance, conviction, and action, you're making that happen in your life. I can't make this happen for you. God doesn't force you, although there's a point here I'm going to talk to you about, that if you don't willingly go after Scripture and God's truth, you very well may not be saved, because God's children will get closer to him through his word. Okay? So, how do we get more assurance? Where does this passage start? And I said uh, from the onset here that assurance comes, and it comes, uh, Romans 10 17 says these words faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Remember, faith means you're a witness, means you're a martyr, means you're working to a point where you're ultimately willing to die for what you believe. You, you understand the implications of that? When you're first saved, I don't know that you're there. But as you interact with God, you're becoming that person. And this is so important because it comes through the knowledge of God. It comes through interacting with God. Ephesians 2, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus himself being the cornerstone. It is the word of God given to us by the prophets and the apostles that goes into us and changes us because it is the word of God that the Holy Spirit of God sanctifies the people of God for the glory of God. I could add to do the will of God for the glory of God. Because as you interact with God's word, both the written word and the living word, Jesus Christ, you're becoming more of what he wants you to be. He can set you further and further apart. You're becoming more of a testimony, more of a witness, more of a martyr. And that faith pleases God. And you know what happens when you please God? You know what happens when you yield to his will? Do you know what happens when you become obedient? you know what happens when you read scripture and you say, this is what God wants? You know what it does? It builds assurance in your life. And as that assurance rises, the conviction to do the will of God rises. And that conviction to do the will of God makes your life better, beloved. It takes sin out of your life in such a way that you can begin to live a life that is flourishing. Even Job would tell you, he praised God, even through the difficult things he was going through, he was brought joy by these things. Listen to me, the things of faith that you do based on the assurance that you have and the conviction from that assurance, in other words, the actions you take, as they glorify God, they will bring you great joy. Do you understand that? In fact, that's where your greatest joy will be found. Everybody wants joy in their life, and they're looking, you know, at things. They're buying things or doing things, but it's right here. It's in this book, beloved. It's in this book, and it's the central part of this book tells us who God is, and it's in knowing who God is that we get assurance of the things we hope for, and the greater our assurance, the greater our knowledge of conviction that those things are true. And the greater we believe they're true, the more actions of faith that we will take to glorify God. He says, in these last days, God has sent his son. He's spoken to us through the prophets and through the apostles. But in this last days, he has sent his son, who is the image of the living God, right? Jesus is is the, uh, in, we have the inscripturated word and we have the living word. None of these New Testament Folks that we read about in chapter 11, none of them were alive and got the testimony of Jesus Christ. You understand that? When Noah said, I'm going to build a boat, he'd never seen the cross. When Joshua said, Yeah, Lord, I'll go march around and we'll sack Jericho, he'd never seen the cross. He only believed in the promise of it. Beloved, we have the cross. We've seen Jesus. We've got the testimony of Jesus in the four Gospels and the rest of this book. We have the promises more assured. We have the words of the Son of God making his testimony. Oh, and by the way, this is where this passage is going to end. Who was the greatest martyr? Who had the most faith? Jesus. We've got the greatest example. And then, beloved, we have the Spirit of God. Turn with me to John chapter 6. Leave your finger in Hebrews. We're not going to be there long. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. So from Hebrews, we have the assurance, conviction, and action. We have the assurance because it's built on the Word of God. We have the conviction to do the will of God so that we can do actions that glorify our God. And it's through Scripture we have the words of God, we got the testimony of the Son of God, and let's finally put with it the Spirit of God from John chapter 16. Let's begin here in verse 13. There's three things I want to show you quickly here. Three things that match with our passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's begin in verse 13. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Let me remind you very quickly that he was speaking to his disciples just moments before he was to go to the cross. And imagine them, young men, somewhere between 17 and 21 years old. They were getting ready to watch the death of the one they followed, their whole world was getting ready to be shaken. And Jesus was trying to assure them that all the promises that he had made, he was giving them assurance so that they would be convicted to follow and act in the way that they should. So we pick it up in verse 13, and he's telling them about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, okay, he will guide you into all truth. That's number one. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're being guided to all truth. And what does the Holy Spirit use to guide you to truth? The Word of God, written by the Spirit of God through the men of God who wrote the Word of God. But He lives in the heart of the people of God so that they can understand and know all truth in the Word of God. And what happens when you know truth? Are you duped as easily? Do you make mistakes that cost you that set set you on a path of life's consequences? You're a lot less likely to do that when you have the wisdom of God implanted in your heart through the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. Why? For he will not speak. And notice also here it says the Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is the third living person of the Trinity. He will speak. He will guide. This is Jesus telling us about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. He will do this, right? He will guide you to all, into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Did you catch that? He guides, guides you to all truth, and he leads you to the things that are to come. What's going to come? Back to Hebrews 11:1, those same promises. Those are the things hoped for. The Holy Spirit builds a testimony in us—testimony, witness, martyr. Remember that faith. The Holy Spirit builds in us through the Word of God the assurance, and then the conviction that these things are true, and then begins to lead us in the actions that glorify the Father. He leads us to everything that's true. And he tells us about things that are to come. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit's revealing things to you through the word of God that people will call you in this place a fool for. Think about this. Let me bring it back to a good illustration so you'll get this. I'll give you two. One of them was Noah. Noah, you're a fool, man. A boat? It's never rained. What are you thinking? A hundred years? Really? You and your sons are going to build that boat for a hundred years and you're going to save the world? Right. but Noah understood that things were to come. And it wasn't this erythrial thinking that he had. He didn't go, oh well, the world might end, but that's a hundred years from now. He understood it in a way, beloved, that he act for the glory of God. You have that same Holy Spirit. He leads you exactly the same. Beloved, be encouraged this morning because you can build a boat too. Even if it's just loving your life or wife well. Even if it's just raising your kids and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the Lord is you. Do you think that Moses, or that Noah was thinking at the time Oh, there's going to be a preacher in 2023 exclaiming the excellencies of my faith because I built a boat. Heck, no, he didn't know that. All he was doing was being obedient to what God called him to do. And if you do the same thing, one day when we have complete vision, you will look down and you will see how God used it for your flourishing and his glory. I don't know who doesn't want that. You, I'd like to talk to you. But you're in the wrong place today if that's not what you're after. Because there's nothing in the end that's gonna matter. Did you ever start watching some TikTok videos and look and 45 minutes goes by? Beloved, we so mishandle the word of God sometimes. It's there and everything's in it. You ever done that on Facebook? come on, am I the only sinner in this building? (laughs) Huh? I look at that and I go, how could that happen? It it was 4 o'clock, now it's 5 o'clock. Mine's, my problem's Twitter. I'll just fess up in my testimony here, but I could have spent it in the time of the word of God. Um, So the Holy Spirit gives us to all truth. He guides us to all truth. He does not speak on his own authority. He tells us what's to come so that we can act And do you see there, and he will declare you the things that are come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We get the things of Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you want to read some more this afternoon about this, go to 1 Corinthians 2. Okay? Verse 15, and that the Father has all that, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And in his declaration to you, lead you in ways that you can act to do what? It says it there in those two verses at the end. Glorify the Son and glorify the Father. Glorify the Son and glorify the Father. And this comes, beloved, through your work and your interaction with Scripture. It is you running your race. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. And if I don't bring this to a close, we'll be here forever. Assurance, conviction, action. Again, uh, This is what running your race is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. That great cloud of witnesses we've been talking about, the faith that they had we've been talking about, how we acquire that faith through the interaction of the word of God so that we can have that assurance and we can act in a way that glorifies and pleases God. We've been talking about. But he adds a couple things to this here that are just doggone practical that we need to think about it. He says, Let us also. And in saying that, he's connecting us, the church of today, with these beloved exemplars of the faith from yesteryear. Let us also. In other words, they also laid aside every weight and sin which clings to them and kept them from running their race. He's saying, Let us be like them. Let us also push away every weight and sin that so easily besets us. Now, what is this word weight? This is your your New Year's Eve weight loss resolution. This word weight is anything that stands in the way of you glorifying God, get rid of. Encumbrance. Any encumbrance that's between you and glorifying God. Get rid of it. Tear it down. Throw it out. Get rid of everything that is in the way of you acting on the convictions founded in the assurance you have through the Word of God, through the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit of God. Get it out of your way. Throw it out. It won't bring glory to God. Tear it down. Bury it. You know why? Because it's almost always something in the way is called an idol in the Bible. And idols are sins. That's why he puts these two words together. Those weights that we need to get out of the way are sin. Throw it out. Tear it down. But It's robbing you of your blessed joy in serving God and knowing God greater. Let us also, he says, let us lay aside every weight, every barrier, every impediment, every encumbrance, anything that's a a barrier or an impediment to you get rid of it, tear it down, bury it, make it go away because whatever it is is keeping you from acting on your convictions. Born out of assurance, founded on the promises of God is keeping you from joy. I can't. Just one quick illustration. When we were <laughs> leading up to the Christmas program with the children, I, I thought we were crazy at I'm just going to go ahead right here and blame Heather. <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's going to be in a way that makes you love her more, I promise. Because I think it was her idea to use the school children. I thought, my goodness, how are you going to do that? you got these ten rugged kids that ragged, I mean, ragged kids. They run everywhere. They're, 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 they're not that disciplined. How are you going to put them in front of everybody and expect anything good to come from it? But she had faith beloved she was assured that if she worked hard enough that God would be glorified in it and then brother Hector's not here one day but finally he made it to the dress rehearsal the Monday of the play do you remember what happened oh we all gushed over this I hope you do too so he has his little angel outfit on maybe you saw him here Monday night in it maybe you saw him on the video I would make fun of him a little bit for that if I were you that's just between us okay beloved But he had his little angel outfit on, and we were here about 1 o'clock practicing with the children the day of the play. And he got up and he read his line. And then he went and sat down behind me in the back of the church as the children finished their lines in rehearsal that day. And he walked up to me, and he still had that angel outfit on. And he says in the back of my ear, he says, Brother, you ever had a, a hug from an angel? And there were tears in his face. And there were tears in my face. You know what they were? They were tears of joy. The greatest joy that Liz and I have shared is seeing this the hard work that we've put in is believing that what God's gonna do at Park Bible Baptist Church and Cormdale Academy. And the more difficult it is, the more joy you'll receive because the more glory God gets. Let me tell you what the most common weights are, just a couple of them. The, the most co- I've said video games and hobbies. You guys know. You guys know when you pick up your phone and you go to scrolling that you're putting something between you and God. I'm not saying that all of it's bad, but interact with the Word of God. You're robbing yourself of the beauty and joy of knowing God more specifically. Just read your Bible. You might have saw it on the scroll up here. Text your pastor. I've got a link that will send you to a year-long Bible reading program. In fact, this link has about 25 different programs. I want you to read your Bible because I know it's there. You will interact with a God who loves you. A God who's died for you. A God who wants to recreate you and take, help you take that sin out of your life so that you can be pleasing to him. A God that wants you to act on his behalf because he knows that when you act on his behalf, that's his greatest good and your greatest glory, and it's his greatest glory. Listen to me. You can pursue God for all you're worth. You cannot have to stop at all. If you pursue anything else in this world, you're making it an idol, but you can pursue God all you want to. And you'll always benefit from that pursuit of God. So the most common thing is that we, the weight that we put in front of us is the fear of man and not the fear of God. We go, oh, what would they think if I started to build a boat? What would they think if I told them that this is where God's leading me on these things? What would they think? Don't we do that? Don't we fear God sometimes more than men? When we see wrongs in our society, we don't stand up and talk often because of what other people might think about us. And then the second thing I think most difficult is when not only the fear of man, but is the fear that man has of you doing the will of God. I said that a little bit odd. But there's going to be people in your life that tell you not to do it because they don't want to see God's will go forward in place or because they're hard-hearted. Now, I've encountered that with the school right here in this very church. We've dealt with it the whole way, and that's part of what's made this difficult. But there will be people that tell you one thing to your face and discourage you because they're continually putting roadblocks in your way. Tear them down, beloved. If God is leading you, tear them down. If God in his word has told you, have assurance, understand the conviction, and provide the action that brings God glory. David did that. His brothers looked at him and said, Oh, David, you little guy, you just come down here because you want to see the blood of the battle. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, David, you should should put on all of this armor. David put it off. He grabbed his little sling and his stone, and he put the words of his brother off, and he feared God more than man, and he walked down to Goliath 10 foot tall and took his head off. We're no different. We've got the same God. We've got the same word, the same promises that build the same assurance, the same conviction so that we can create the same action. And then finally, verse 2, chapter 12. We've got the greatest example. And I hope that you'll see in verse 2 everything that I've told you about and the difficulty of carrying out the will of God in this life. Looking to Jesus. Beloved, if you want to succeed in glorifying God, you need to look to Jesus. Who else was a greater martyr? Who else had better faith? Who else encountered more opposition? Amen. Look to Jesus. And what was his reward? He's at the right hand of God and if you read the Bible correctly he is everything <laughs> look to Jesus beloved look at this passage looking to Jesus he is the founder and perfecter of our faith in other words he is the one that has won the victory so that we just have to believe now I'm not saying that you won't be persecuted I know what it's like to stand outside of an abortion clinic In fact, even in that persecution, I found great joy. And what does it say here? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, he's the one that's gone before us. He's the one that created the path, right? It's his blood that makes us all possible. If we'll turn from our sins, if we'll trust God, if we'll place our faith there and repent and turn to Christ, he will perfect that faith in you. He will send you his Holy Spirit to lead you to all truth, to guide you to things you don't yet know so that you can glorify God and be saved, beloved. Amen? He is the perfecter of our faith, who for the what? The joy set before him. You want great joy in your life, live like Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured The cross. He despised the shame that it brought. He looked at the people saying those things and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They may know what they're doing here. They were in direct opposition to him, they wanted their own power, those scribes and Pharisees, just like some of the people in the church. But they don't know the full impact and weight of the decision of what they're doing. Because if you're led by God, it's not you they're against. It's God they're against. Jesus understood that. Look to him when you're in that same situation, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Beloved, as we come into this new year, we come with a plethora, a plethora of needs in this community. It is my belief that as the school grows and as the church grows, that the knowledge of God in Pennsville, New Jersey will grow. And nothing bad is going to come from that. Now that's my belief. I can't do it by myself. I believe that culture can be rebuilt. I believe that when a human being understands who God is and begins to know wisdom from the truth of Scripture, that that makes them a smarter person. History's on my side. That's how the whole West was built. When the pilgrims come over, they preached the word of God. They came for the explicit purpose so that they could worship freely. And it was in that free worship they knew the will of God. And it was in knowing the will of God in Scripture and preaching the will of God to all who would listen that they had the assurance of what God was doing, the conviction to go ahead and move themselves into action that glorified God. And, beloved, we're the benefactors of that. We live in a society today, though it's very difficult, it's going the opposite direction as the Word of God is taking out of things. I believe our church can change that. I believe the people sitting here can change that. I believe that's why I came from Missouri. I believe that's why the Lord gave us that building back. I believe that's why the people that are assembled here today are the people who God wants here today. Amen? I believe in you guys because I believe in the God and the Spirit that empowers you. I'm encouraged by what I've seen happen. It's been difficult. Don't get me wrong. And there's some more bumps ahead. But it's brought great joy. I love you guys. Liz and I thank you from the bottom of our heart and Malik. I'm so glad God brought us here. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to a close this morning. It's my prayer that your people, oh, it's my prayer that they'll just pick up their Bible beginning tomorrow, that they'll make a New Year's resolution to say, I I know they're not going to understand all of it, and that's okay, beloved. But they're going to read it, and they're going to seek to know you and your promises in these very words. Is that when they seek you, they will find you. And in finding you, they will know you. And in knowing you, oh, Father, in knowing you, you will build the assurance of the things they hope for. And you'll give them in that knowledge a conviction that these things are true. And I know, Father, that as that builds, it starts here today, it's not quick. It may be the next 20 years, it may be the next 50 years, it may be like Noah, the next 100, the next 500. I don't know, Father, you do, but I know that you will be glorified in every moment they spend in seeking your name. My prayer is that they would be encouraged to do that and receive the joy of becoming followers of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. All right, I need two men. Steve, will you and Barry help me out this morning?